so Lord we just pray that you would speak to all of us today that through the word that you've given me that that will bring life to those who listen and so I pray Father that uh, we all would have ears to hear and eyes to see we give you thanks and praise and we ask this now in Jesus name Amen How about now? Well, it's really on now. Okay. Um, I got this sense while I was praying this morning, right just a minute ago, that there were three things that God wanted to heal this morning if somebody has this. First of all, does anybody have any kind of stomach discomfort, intestinal issues going on right now? Okay. Yeah, I was going to not necessarily make you raise your hand. <laughs> for that, <laughs> if that's the case, but uh, it's been subtly pointed out to me that there is at least one person in here with that. All right, so that was one. The second thing was a uh, problem with your feet. Is anybody having a foot problem? Got a couple of those. And the third thing was elbow, and I think it's specifically the left elbow. Anybody having an issue with your left elbow? No? All right, well, two out of three is okay. So we're just going to pray for those things right now. So Father, you've pointed these things out, and so now I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would come and touch each of these people, um, wherever they are, that you would bring healing, freedom from pain, and just an immediate sense of relief. We just give you thanks and praise and ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So today is going to be the last of our uh, 40 days of prayer series. We've been on this now for about six weeks. And um, 
we've talked about the fact that you know God through Scripture has said in many different places that he promises to answer our prayers. Right? And one example of that is found, found in Psalm 91, uh, verses 14 and 15. And it says, The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. And when they call on me, I might answer. No, that, that's not what it says, is it? It doesn't say that God might answer. It says, when they call on me, I will answer. All right? Not might, not maybe, not if I'm in a good mood today, not if I'm not having a bad hair day. He says to call to me and I will answer you. All right? That's a promise from God. God answers every single prayer. But he doesn't answer them all the way you like every time. But it is an answer, right? We've said this earlier in the series. No is an answer. Wait is an answer. Grow up is an answer. In maturity, okay? In maturity in the faith. In a little while is an answer. In my way is an answer, okay? So God never leaves a prayer unanswered, but not every prayer does God say yes to. Well, that, that came out kind of funny. That sounded better when I wrote it. That sounded a little bit like Yoda. <laughs> to every prayer, say yes, God does not. <laughs> no. No, I will not. Now, there are plenty of examples in the Bible where God has said no to great men and women of faith. Prayers that were prayed by Abraham God said no. To Moses, God said no. To Daniel, he said no. To Job and to Jonah, he said no. To Elijah, to Peter, to Paul. God said no in one way or another, at one time or another, to all of those men. And yes, even to Jesus, God said no. Even Jesus prayed prayers that were answered no. And in one particular prayer that he prayed during this coming week that we're celebrating, which is uh, Easter coming up next Sunday, he said no. And so I didn't want to close this series without dealing with the times when we pray and when God says no. Because all of us are going to have many no's from God in our lifetime. And that could be confusing because if God is truly loving and if God has the power to control everything, well, why is my request denied? Why do some people get miracles and others don't? Why when we pray for people who are sick, some of them get well and some of them die? I've prayed for sick people and they've gotten well. And I've also prayed for sick people and they didn't. It's frustrating. I prayed over a friend who had just died. I mean, he had literally just been brought to the hospital and I had gotten a call from his wife met them at the hospital, and they brought him in, and he'd had a heart attack. And I went in, and I prayed for him. And I, I prayed, you know, God, it's not, this is not Rick's time. And evidently it was, because um, he did not come back to life. 
So why does God sometimes say yes, and why does he sometimes say no? Or one of those other answers. And I think if you really start to think about it, some of those times are mysteries, but yet other of those times you can really sort of reason out, and it, some of it's pretty obvious. Okay? So, um, for instance, when two people are praying for the opposite thing, obviously God can't answer both. All right? If a child is at home praying for it to snow so they don't have to go to school, and their parents are praying for it to be clear so that they can go to work, God is obviously going to say no to one of those prayers. Right? For the past two weekends, we've had March Madness in full swing. And all over America, people are praying for their particular team to win because they filled out their brackets a certain way and they want to win the office pool. Half of them, or soon to be half of them at least, are going to be disappointed. And I honestly don't really think God cares who wins the NCAA tournament. And I'm not sure that he answers prayers for teams like that. Um, but even if he did, let's just say he did, only 50% of the people would be happy with the answer. So clearly there are a lot of fervent people praying for very opposite things, and that's not going to work. There are some other prayers that we might pray, uh, and that if God were to answer them, then he would have to take a will away the free will or the free choice of another person. So, for example, let's say that someone came up to Lainey or to Hannah and said, I am praying that God forces you to marry me. Get away from me. Well, that isn't going to happen because God's not going to take away their free will. That person, the other person, could pray all they want, but the fact is that God made Hannah and he made Lainey in his image, and he's not going to overrule their free will, their choice. God doesn't force anybody to do anything. And he doesn't force you to do either the right thing or the wrong thing, because if he did, that would make you nothing more than a puppet. So if you're praying, God, I want you to change that person's mind and make them do this, well, I have a feeling God would say, well, I don't do that with you. Why would I do that with somebody else? So there's a logical reason why people pray for things that don't actually happen. But there are times when God says no, and it's just unexplainable. You make a legitimate request, you don't see anything wrong with it, and it doesn't happen. It just doesn't make sense. And you just go, God, I don't get it. I don't understand this. And so when that happens, when God says no, that can actually be the greatest test of faith in your life. Because God is saying in those moments, are you going to trust me or not? So we need to deal with this subject. We need to talk about how do we respond, or why, in some cases, does God say no, and then how do we respond when he does? Because there's those times in life where there's a, a tragic accident, or an unexplained death, or a dashed dream, or an unfulfilled longing. And, and someone has prayed, and they've prayed, and they've prayed, 
and the request is denied or it doesn't happen. And it feels unbearable. And so first, what I want to do today is two things. First, I want to give you a couple of reasons, or just a few of the very many possible reasons why God would say no to a request in your life. Now, I'm sure there are probably hundreds of reasons, uh, but we're just going to look at three. And then more important than that, I want to share with you what should be our response when God answers a prayer that way. You know, we are going to get yeses to our prayers in life, but we're also going to get a lot of noes too. And so we really need to know how to deal with that, what to do in that situation. And before I share, with, share those with you, there is one little note of caution that I want to bring up. And that is, it's okay to use these reasons that I'm about to share with you to comfort yourself, but never use them to comfort somebody else who is in pain because you don't know why God said no to them. Okay? It's very presumptuous for you to assume you know why. And secondly, it really doesn't help them. You know? And there's a very clear example in Scripture of this about a man named Job. Most of you are probably familiar with the story. If you're not, I'll give you a recap. One day, Job had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day for the ages. All right. In a single day, he lost everything. Wealth, family, position, health, gone. So Job goes out, sits down on the ground in an ash heap, just to mourn and to grieve. Now, he had these three friends. And these three friends come along, and at first, they do the right thing. The three friends come, they sit down with Job, and they sit there in silence with him for seven days. That's what a friend does. When somebody's in grief, you show up and you shut up. And I know that sounds harsh, but that's the best possible thing you can do. And the deeper the pain is in somebody's life, the fewer words you use. But after seven days, they decide that it's time for them to, to let Job know what's going on. And that's when they start to get in trouble. And the entire rest of the book are these friends trying to explain what is literally unexplainable. Job, you're suffering because of this, maybe because of that. They're offering all these different reasons. They think they're helping by offering all of these explanations, but they're not. They're just making things worse. And the point is, they get it all wrong. They don't know why this is happening. And see, we do the same thing. We, we mean well when we go to someone and we say, well, you know, I think this is what must be going on in your life. But we don't really know. And so we can't presume to know why God is doing anything in a certain person's life. And so it's better just to, uh, you know, if you have a friend who has gone through something, uh, you know, horrible, like the, a death of a loved one or something like that, your presence will comfort them far more than your words ever will. And I, I can speak from experience on this because I've been with people who have had loved ones die. I've done funerals. And the fact is, the people couldn't tell you probably three words that I said at the funeral or when I went to be with them, but they knew I was there. 
And that's what brought them comfort, was just that presence. And so that's really all you need to do. Okay, so we have that kind of word of caution. So now let's look at three possible reasons why God says no. First of all, he says no when he has a bigger perspective. See, God can see where we can't see. He sees the whole picture. We don't. God can see the future. We can't. So God is always going to see stuff that you can't see. He can actually see around that curve of the road that you're on. He can see 10 years in the future. He can see the implications of every decision that you make. Hebrews 4.13 tells us, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. You see, sometimes God doesn't answer prayer the way you want because he sees what you don't see. And our problem is that we have such limited perspective that we don't ever see the unintended consequences of what it is we're asking for. But God can't. God sees how all the dominoes line up and how they all fall. And he knows that every prayer starts a chain reaction of one kind or another. You, you don't know that. You don't see that. But he does. And he knows how some particular decision that you asked is going to influence your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren. He can see multi-generations. And so you can't. And so sometimes God just says no because he, he can see what you can't see. You can't even imagine the implications and the consequences of what could happen if that prayer were to be answered yes. Now, for years I've been a Stephen King fan, Stephen King novels. Some people say, well, you should read those. Well, I read all the bad ones before I was saved, so I guess I'm okay. But the, uh, one of his in particular, I think maybe the best one he's ever written, is a, is a, is a novel called 11-22-63. And it's a story, I mean, the, the only kind of supernatural aspect to the story is it involves time travel. Okay. And in the book, this portal is discovered where someone can go back in time. And the, the time that they can go back to is, I think it's September, some, a date in September in 1958. And every time you go through the portal, you go back into that moment. It's like noon on September the 4th, 1958. So he and the guy that originally discovers this portal cook up a plan. They, they kind of come to the conclusion that if they could go back in time and thwart John F. Kennedy's assassination, that the world would turn out so much better than the way it is now. Because they see that as sort of the, the tipping point, I guess, that we may not have gotten into the war in Vietnam and all the things that sort of went from there. And so that's sort of the plan. And now, the book is fascinating, but the point is this actually happens and it doesn't turn out anything like what they thought it actually ends up being far worse. And so the point being, you can't mess around, you know, 
with history. We can't see, you know, we think, okay, well, if that happens, then this would be better. But in fact, it was worse. And it just, to me, drives home the point that God sees these things that we can't possibly see. We can't see the implications of our decisions. We have no idea what might be set in motion if this were to be answered in a certain, answered yes. And so every prayer has consequences, and God can see ahead because he sees the bigger perspective. Second, God says no when he has a better plan. Sometimes God might say, well, I intend to answer your prayer, just not the way you want it answered. I'm going to say yes, but I've got a better idea. In his infinite wisdom, God has a better plan than anything you could ever come up with. How do we know that? Well, look in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And notice that it's plural. It says ways. God never has just one way of doing something. See, unlike you, God has unlimited options. He has a lot of different alternatives, and he's not forced into one course of action or another. So let's look at an example of that. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, because I know this, is, this does not apply to any of you, that you're in deep debt. And you pray, God, I've spent money to buy things that I didn't need with money that I didn't really have. And now I'm really, really, really deep in debt. And God, even though I blew it, even though I know it's my fault, I'm going to ask you to help me. Would you please bail me out of this financial mess that I have made? Now, how could God answer that prayer? Well, there's probably a lot of different ways he could. God could increase your income. Or there's probably multiple ways that God could decrease your expenses. But see, the problem is that sometimes when we pray a prayer like that, we don't just tell God what we want, we tell him how we think he should do it. Right? Here's how I want you to fix this. So, we want it the way we prefer. And so our preferred way is going to be what? It's going to be the easiest way possible. And what's the easiest way to get out of debt? Lord, please let me win the lottery. Okay? Makes sense? But I can all but guarantee you that God is not going to use that way to get you out of debt. Because if he would, you wouldn't grow at all. And this was what I was talking about, about you need to grow up. Okay? It's not a, like you're immature necessarily, but he wants to grow your faith. God doesn't want to use the easiest way. He wants to use the best way. He wants to keep, use a way that's going to keep you growing in your faith. Because God is a far more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. He wants to help you get out of debt in this situation. But if he helps you to get out of debt in a relatively easy way, what's going to guarantee that you don't get right back in debt? I mean, look at all of these poor people, and I say that literally, who have won the lottery. 
and who end up worse off, I think, in the end than when they, before they won. You know, they were leading relatively good lives, and then all of a sudden they end up with all this money, and of course all these requests come out of the woodwork. And they start giving money away, because, oh, well, I've got you know, plenty, and before you know it, they've either spent or given it all away, and now they're probably you know, worse off than they were before. So that's not going to be a way that grows your faith in any way. Now, sometimes the way that's going to grow your faith might require a delayed answer. Did you know that in the Bible, many of the greatest people of faith did not get an answer that was promised to them before they died? Some stayed sick, some stayed poor, whatever the situation was. In Hebrews 11, 39 through 40, which is sort of God's hall of faith chapter, it talks about this, and it says, starting in verse 39, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. God had planned something better. And this is, a, this is a principle of life. You know, it's an important lesson for us. <laughs> and if you've ever been to a high school reunion, you should thank God that he did not answer all of your prayers. Okay? Because that hunk of hunk of burning love that you had in high school <laughs> is now a big fat tub of goo. <laughs> so God says no when he has a better plan for your life. Was it Garth Brooks' song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers? I think. All right, third. God says no when he has a greater purpose. God is never going to let something that you pray for interfere with your purpose. If you're praying for something that's not according to his purpose for you, then it's just not going to happen. Now, not everything that happens in your life is good. We know that. Bad stuff happens because we make bad choices. And sometimes other people make bad choices. But God goes, well, I can even use that. I can even use the dumb mistakes that you make. I can even use other people's dumb mistakes. And I can fit that into this purpose that I have for you. So what do we do? Well, when we start to feel discouraged, let me grab this. When we start to feel discouraged, we've got to remind ourselves that God has this greater purpose for our life. And so, if you're going to have a happy life, you're going to have to learn that there are these three realities or three facts of life that co sort of go along with this. The first reality is that there's some things in life that we're just not going to understand until we get to heaven. Right? The Bible says there are secret things that God does not reveal. Uh, we wouldn't even understand them if we were probably told. And so you don't need an explanation to be happy. You just need the presence of God. The second thing is that there are some things that are going to happen in your life that are never going to change. Some problems in your life are never going to change until you get to heaven. You know, if 
if for some reason I got a hand cut off, you know, in some sort of weird accident, short of some sort of a miracle healing, which I wouldn't completely discount, but absent that, it's not going to grow back. All right, that's not going to change until I get to heaven. So permanent problems happen because we live in a broken world. And so no matter how much you pray, it's just not going to change. God is just simply saying, I want you to learn to trust me. And so even though you're dealing with that, you still have to trust that I know what's best. But there's a third thing too that you need to learn. And sometimes you're going to suffer for the benefit of other people. It's called redemptive suffering. Many ministries that, are, that have been started because people had prayers that they had prayed and God just said no. They may have prayed for a child and they didn't get a child. And so they started a ministry of adoption. They prayed for an instant healing of an addiction, but it didn't happen. And so started some kind of a recovery ministry. God wants to take the greatest pain in your life and use it to benefit other people. So don't waste it. And so when he allows you to go through suffering for the benefit of other people, you are the most like Jesus in that moment. It's not easy. It's not fun. But you're growing and you're becoming like Christ when you have the opportunity to suffer and you use that pain to help somebody else. So what should we do when God says no? We know it's going to happen. We know a little bit of why. So what, what do we do? Well, let's look. First of all, we have to understand that everything God does is always for your own good and because he loves you. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And then in 1 John 4.8, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. You need to remember that and you need to trust that God does everything in goodness and love in your life even when he says no. Because anytime God says no, guess who's going to start shooting darts of doubt at you? There's going to be a voice that says, God doesn't really love you. He doesn't really care about you because otherwise he'd give you that if he really loved you. And we know Satan is a liar. Scripture tells us that. So always keep this in mind. I don't have to understand God's answer to know that it's motivated by love. So really... When God says no, you, you, you've got a few options. You can resist God, you can resent God, or you can relax at God. Resisting God happens when God says no and you get mad at God and you just turn your back on him and say, all right, God, if you're not going to play the game my way, I'm going home. 
And so you walk away from God, from faith, from church, and you're totally in resentment and rebellion. The second thing you could do is just to resent God. And so, you know, you may still be involved in faith to some extent, but you become bitter and miserable. And you really start to doubt whether God loves you or not. Or third, you can just relax, knowing that God always has your best interests at heart. Second thing, if you're dealing with pain, pray what Jesus prayed when he was facing the cross. And Now this is the prayer I was referring to earlier. Jesus prayed a prayer the night before he went to the cross. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is um, a garden or orchard of olive trees. And it was Jesus' favorite place to go to pray. Now, he knows what's going to happen. He knows that tomorrow he's going to be suffering. He's going to be tortured. He's going to be put on a cross. He's going to be shamed. He's going to be spit on. He's going to be whipped. He's going to be crucified. And he doesn't want to go through that pain any more than you or I would. And the Bible tells us that in agony, he went to the garden to pray. And the prayer that he prayed is the same prayer that you should pray when you're in pain. Mark chapter 14, verses 35 and 6. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So based on this verse, we know that it's okay to say, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through this suffering. I don't want to face whatever it is I'm about to face. Cancer, surgery, divorce, death, whatever. God, I don't want to do this. But not your will, but mine be done. And then finally, oh, not my will, but yours be done. Thank you. And so finally, we expect God to provide the grace to handle whatever answer we get. And if you're a student of Scripture, you know that Paul, the apostle, didn't get an answer to all of his prayers. In fact, he had what he described as a thorn in his flesh. We don't really know what it was, but it was some kind of a lifelong problem that caused him pain. And in his own words, we read in 2 Corinthians um, 12, 8, he says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, Paul understands, understand, understood something that we should understand. And that is that if God never says yes to another prayer in your life, you still owe him your life. You wouldn't be alive if it weren't for him. 
You wouldn't be saved if it weren't for him. You wouldn't be on your way to heaven if it weren't for him. Yes, he has a bigger plan, a better plan, a bigger perspective, and a greater purpose than you could ever ask for or imagine. So what have you been praying about so far that hasn't happened? Whatever pain you're going through, whether it's about something that's ended, something that hasn't started, you need to remember that God has a, has a bigger perspective. Perhaps a chapter has ended, but that doesn't mean it's the end of the story. God has not finished with you. It's not the end of the story. It's just the end of a chapter. God has a greater purpose, and right now, He's working on you, and He will give you the grace and the power to handle whatever it is that He puts in your path. He'll never put more on you than He puts in you to bear it up. Amen? I could have the folks that are <clears throat> have been cleared to pray to come up front. What I get the sense of is that if you have something in your life that you've really been praying fervently for and so far the answer has been no that today I'm not saying God is going to say yes today but I, I think that you need to go with someone and pray about that that either the time is, is correct is now for that to happen or that God in his grace will show you why or help you understand why that answer is still no. And this is the time we provide in, in our service for that to happen. Um, I'm going to close.
close us here in a moment with prayer. And uh, you can stay, you can leave, you can do really whatever uh, God's kind of putting on your heart. But know that we have these people here who uh, so want to come with you and pray with you in this time. And if someone is, is here today and has no has been toying with this idea of faith who has never really sort of formally made that commitment to say yes I want Jesus in my life I want to know him I want what all the rest of you all have then I it would be my great honor to pray with you for that to happen today and so if you need or would like prayer for um, a no in your life, or just really anything, but that in particular, then any one of these four folks that are sort of standing here at the periphery uh, would be thrilled to, to pray with you, to join with you in agreement for whatever it is. But if you have decided that today is that time when you want to really fully accept Jesus and join the family, then I would love to pray with you. And so if you would just come up and uh, come up to me, I'll know why you're here and we'll take care of that. So Father God, I just thank you for this message, for helping us to understand that there are times when you do say no and that there are some very good reasons as to why we can't have everything that we want and why you would say no when we pray for something even that looks like a legitimate request. So help us, Lord, to understand that. Help us to respond in a better way when we do hear a no or receive a no answer. To know that your perspective is bigger, that your plans are greater, and that it's always done in love, and that you give us the grace that we need to deal with the answer. So, Father, I just ask it now you would bless all of those who are here. Touch their lives, Lord. Just give you thanks for each one. Pray that you would bring them all back to us next week as we celebrate the resurrection of your Son. So we give you all thanks and all praise. We lift this time up before you, and we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Take advantage of this time to get prayer, and um, bless you. I hope you have a terrific week.